not allowed to cuss. So I'm going to say, holy camoly, this one's good. It is so incredible to receive from someone who has walked through it, who has stood back up time and time again, who has experienced so many of the heartaches and heartbreaks that my heart has also felt that I know for certain that yours has too. Maybe you fall under the one in three or the one in four stat. And if you don't know what that is, you're going to learn about it here. But this international speaker and mega pastor and multi-time author, she lays it all on the line because it's not about her name. It's about his. And she allows the good work that has been done in her to provide good works for more people, more people in other countries like Cuba, more people who have been suppressed and depressed based on circumstantial situations. And also, I love how she's spoken to those who also have to raise their hand. The thing that you have chosen to do, the thing that was by your action or your thought or your choice, God forgives it all. He forgives it all. And so I hope that you just are in a state of receiving as you listen to Nicole Crank share her story. I hope that you follow her on social media and go to her website and tag her and show and share this episode on social media because she is someone you want to get to know. No different than every other person I have on the show, but in such a special way because we have so many overlaps in our stories. And so I am excited about her new book. I hope you get your hands on it and I hope that you will thrive. It's called I Will Thrive and you'll see the word survive just ripped off the page because it's not about surviving this life. It's about thriving through it and how we give you the tools today to be able to do so. But ultimately, as we share, it's more so about how God He's going to do it because he's done it for us and he'll do it again because he always does. We love you and we can't wait to hear what your thoughts are. So surely leave a review and a star. We love you. See ya. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Hello, hello. Hi. I'm so happy to have you here today, Nicole. Thank you so much for tuning into the Fit and Faith podcast live with me. Man, I'm so happy to be here. And that promo was bomb. 
Yeah, I know. I told you she killed it. <laughs> she kills it. It's so fun. Every time I see it, I'm like, I think I spend more time laughing than I do interviewing, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's a that's a good problem to have. I think so. I think so. You guys, if you do not know Nicole Crank, let me do a little mini bio before we go deep into the juicy stuff. She is an international conference speaker, a blogger, a mega pastor, and an author, uh, a multi-time author, by the way. I got a devotional that she did five Five years ago and now circa 2021 she just has a new book out called i will survive slash thrive right so you have to see the actual you saw it in the intro but if you're listening to the podcast the book tells the story because it's less about surviving. We know we want to live a life in the thriving zone. And her and her husband, David, are founders and lead pastors of Faith Church. And there's four campuses in St. Louis, Missouri, and two campuses in West Palm Beach, which I believe is where you reside, correct? Well, I live in both. Okay, all all the above. (laughs) This background, West Palm Beach. Oh, gorgeous. (laughs) I love it. Sunny Florida. Well, we are so grateful to have you, and I'm excited to dive in. I remember when I first heard you speak on stage, I was like, whoa, you're like a bomb in this little body frame, and I was not anticipating it. And so it was such a treasure. I know it'll be the same for everyone on today. Well, I love that someone with a podcast called Fit in faith is calling me a little frame <laughs> because <laughs> for those of you who have never seen me um i am 511 so i am almost 6 foot tall and let's just put it this way i don't weigh 100 pounds and if i'm going to fit in faith of anything i'm going to fit in my faith pants <laughs> <laughs> your thanksgiving pants your maternity ones that you wear the year later <laughs> you know what yes you know that we all excel at something and you know Minus hips, so whatever. That is awesome. We're excited for you to be here. And I think that there's so much more to someone. And as you know, for a woman's sake than our figure. But I'm sure for a while there might have been a season where being 5'11 as a young girl was not so fun. You want to take us down that journey? Well, um, my whole childhood, well, that's not true. Starting at about 10 years old, childhood was not I don't know. I wouldn't call it fun. Um, It's the premise for the book that I wrote. And I wrote the book that I wrote only because kicking and screaming, by the way, because God never asked you to do something that you want to do. So true. Um, If you're like, God told me to do that. And I really want to. eh, Chances are that was you that told you you wanted to do that. And you blame it on God. Um, But if there's something you really don't want to do and God's like pushing you out there, then yeah, that's that that's how you know people are like, how do you know if it's God? Well, do you want to do it? No, probably God. <laughs> Go and harvest that field real quick. And that mm-hmm. doesn't that's not an easy thing to do, right? And yeah. and I definitely can parallel to the book writing journey that feels like the kicking and streaming, the weeping, the the therapy on therapy just to get the pages out, right? So it's so true. And God told me you're gonna have to make your plain pain your platform which I did not want to do because um, I was born in Canada, given up by my dad before I was born, but I didn't know that until fourth grade. Fourth grade was a monumental year. That's why I said life was pretty good till I was 10 because, you know, we weren't wealthy. We were actually very not wealthy. We were, we were low income, but I, I didn't know that. I didn't care. I lived in the country. I lived on a gravel road. I had a secondhand bicycle. I thought oh, it was yeah. <laughs> on the carport with our wrecked car, which was our new car. My dad worked at a factory. He got laid off. He was looking for another job. But I mean, I was just, I was blissfully ignorant. I just did not know. 
there wasn't social media, any of that stuff. Fourth grade, I found out that um, I was adopted by my dad when I was in the U.S. when I was three. I got saved, which is what that was a high point of that year. And it was the year that I got molested in my little town. Um, and that threw my whole life for a curve and how my pain is my platform and why that was a big deal for me is I said that I would never tell anybody what happened to me again, because in fifth grade, I had this really great idea. I'm like, I'm going to confide in my friend, but in my 10 year old wisdom, my brain didn't like kick that ball away down the field because I didn't think, what does a little girl do when she hears a secret? She went to tell everyone. She, she, she did. She told everyone. And here's the funny thing is things start out rooted in, in truth and what she heard and what, what, what happened, but then stories take on a life of their own and they exploded and expanded. And so I actually wrote a whole chapter in my book called, and actually you said it's, it, it's kind of a hard title because you almost have to see it. Cause it's like, I was except for survivor is ripped off the page, but you still had to see what the word was because we're not called to survive life. Surviving life is not life. Surviving life is getting by. We're called to thrive. We're called to be blessed. We're called to be abundantly above. We're called to be salt to this world. We're called to be spicy to this world. We're called to be the light that shines out in the darkness. And you can't do that if you are barely getting So after I, I got bullied, so chapter four is called the bully bus. And bully wasn't a term that I heard for like 25 years after it happened to me. Yeah, right. But all I knew was sticks and stones, they didn't break my bones, but they sure crushed my spirit mm. and they hurt. Yeah. And I didn't like being alone and the outcast and the only girl in the whole school who had her own locker, which you would think would be a great thing, but was really like a social demarker because nobody wanted to even share a locker with me. And um, I was never going to tell anybody my pain again. I was going to keep it inside and just shove it way down deep. And God was not going to let that happen. It's wild too to think how young you were. Like that's such an imprint. Mm. And I remember being my secrets being told to all of the school, and it was three months before high school graduation. Mm. And it paralleled to my faith a lot uh, because I was a leader in the church and the youth group that we all met on a consistent basis. And I was completely ostracized, not only by the students but also by all of the leaders. And so that church hurt component really set in for me. I'm curious, since you had that experience with establishing your faith and meeting Jesus at the same time, were you able to find rest and solitude in him or were you not really in the knowing that that was even possibility at that time? You know, not, not during that time. Um, I, God told me something as I was writing the book, um, I actually wrote the book and then he spoke to me on this level afterwards. I was, I was writing the workbook, which was like, oh my gosh, it was like a deep dive in. The, the thing about the book is people tell me they read it two ways. One, they read it in one to two days, like cover to cover, which it's a lot to cover because I not only cover the pain of molestation, betrayal, rejection, adoption, rape, marrying the wrong man who becomes physically abusive, who began stalking me, put a gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger so it reads like a story, like mm. a movie, but each chapter dives into things like how to overcome bullying, how to deal with rejection, how to b- walk by faith and betrayal. And then I talk about coping mechanisms that I used all of them. Like I'm just like, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. 
I used fear. I used anger. I used overachievement to prove my worth to, to a bunch of people who, who weren't even looking. I used building walls to keep people out of my heart. I used people pleasing. And the wild thing is I had to walk through a bunch of coping mechanisms on my own, trying to get by, trying to be strong to really figure out, yeah, Nicole, you're not going to be able to pull this off by yourself. And I had to hit rock bottom and find out Jesus was the rock at the bottom so that I could have a sure foundation on which to really build my life, which is where I started chapter nine, where I, I, I call that chapter meeting Mr. Right, where I met my husband of he's going to, it's going to be 24 years in just a couple of days. That's amazing. Congratulations. But I told him no for five months. And I think I skipped it. God told me when I was writing the workbook, he said, I am not obligated to heal a hurt that you don't give me. And I think a lot of us don't give God our hurts because one, we've been betrayed, we've been rejected, or we're mad at God. Like, like God, if I talk to you right now, I'm going to cuss, use all the words. And God's like, I'm a big boy. I can handle that. And I'd much rather, this might freak some people out, but God would much rather have you yell and cuss at him than not talk to him at all. Because if you're in conversation with him, at least he can take it somewhere. And some people might be thinking, how can you say that about God, that he's not obligated to heal your hurts? Well, that's what, because I was kind of like that. I was like, God, that's not nice. And he's like, "Mm, check the contract, which is how I refer to the Bible. Because I love that. He's like, check the contract. And sure enough, first Peter five, seven says, cast your cares. Mm. You have to give them, give me your cares because I care for you. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're telling me what to do. He, he said, Hey, and James, what does it say? You have not because you, I'm like, oh, because you asked not. And he said, yeah, I told you to ask and what? And I'm like, keep on asking. He said, I told you to knock and what? Keep on knocking. He told you to what? And what? Keep on seeking. I'm like, okay, God, I get it. You made your point like 10 times. I'll start bringing you stuff. Even when I'm, even when I'm mad at you for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that can parallel to grief, right? I'm thinking about all the people who are standing in grief right now in this season or loss or lack, right? Like it's, it's no um, variation in what that is, what that conversation looks like because mm-hmm. his needs and our needs are the same. He wants and needs us to though He is of above all of those things in his glory, but he desperately desires us to be in that communication piece with him. And I love that you said, it doesn't matter if you're yelling at him. It doesn't matter if you're angry. It doesn't matter if you don't even have words to say, but you're still yearning for there to be a response from God. Your Mm -hmm. spirit cries out just as much as your mouth cries out. Mm -hmm. And yet if you decide to close the door completely and run in the opposite direction, which is what I did because I allowed what they said and how they acted and what they were doing to then project what he is rather than understanding that I have to come to him and not worry about what they are doing or they are saying, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do when you put people on pedestals and then they don't live up to those expectations. No, and nobody, nobody ever will. No, nope. uh, because there was there was one perfect guy. He lived, I don't know, two thousand years ago, and before <laughs> he sent him, there has not been a perfect yeah. person. And here's the crazy thing: I'm actually writing. Somebody uh, reached out to me today and asked me to write a talk about excellence, and I asked them, okay, can I write? the talk on the difference between perfection and excellence. 
because perfection is something unachievable and leaves us frustrated. And yet with current culture, we think we are supposed to live in that space of filters. Like I'm really, really upset right now that there's no filter on this because I'm going to see my scars and a couple of uh, Beautiful, y'all. Uh, <laughs> because there is no perfection, but excellence. And God does ask us to live with excellence. And excellence is not a destination. Excellence is a journey. And we can survive and try. And you, we, we will live a life of survival if we reach and strive for perfection. But if we live a life of excellence, it is a journey that will take us from level to level, faith to faith, victory to victory. And that is how we will keep improving in life as we keep striving for excellence because we will never arrive. And that's one of the things as you talked about grief, um, people grieve all kinds of circumstances. Like when you get raped or molested or something gets taken from you and why that's so common, one in three women it is reported are raped or molested before the age of 18. Here's the shocker. One in five men. And these are the reported instances. And if you read, if you read the studies, they say that only about a third of the instances are reported. So it's way more than that. And I know I was molested when I was in fourth grade. I was raped when I was in eighth grade. I was 13 years old. They did this um, community service program in my junior high, which I don't know who came up with that idea, but that if you really think about it, like, okay, let's take people who are in trouble with the law and put them around a bunch of minors. That's oh Lord. Oh my gosh. What were these people thinking? But um, they tried it. It failed miserably, but I didn't tell a soul because of what had happened to me before. And I'm this honest about it in my book. And I'm this honest with you right now, if you're listening or watching live right now, like why is she throwing all her junk out there? Because I lived a life of setback, hold back, failure, depression, and anxiety for a long time. And the problem with that life, that life of survival, because I could have gotten by when I married my ex-husband and we had a blissful, blissful marriage for three whole weeks. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, we were engaged for 13 months. We dated before then. But three weeks into our marriage, he used crack cocaine for the first time. Mm. Became incredibly violent, broke my rib, herniated my C7. I have things to grieve. I had reasons for depression, anxiety, and setback. And I didn't enter my life of thriving for way too long. And I thought if I can air my problems and you can see your potential, why wouldn't I do that? That and the fact that God arm wrestled me when I was, I I left my life. The only way to get away from my husband, he became ex-husband. He became fixated on me was I sent my son back to his high school dad because I ended up being a pregnant unwed mother in high school because I got to a new school, a new school district, a new, a new city, a new opportunity. My no had failed me in molestation and rape. So I thought I would try. Yes. And yes, got me invited to parties and yes, had me drinking and yes, had me have boys. We're going to hold my hand. And yes, that boy can kiss me. And yes, got me pregnant at 17 where life had failed me to that point, but I had failed myself. And listener, this is what I want to share with you. I know you think you can't because of what happened to you 
or what happened because of you. It's one of, usually one of those two reasons. I can't because, you know, my socioeconomic status. I can't because of my gender. I can't because of my race. I can't because of my education. I can't because of my income. I can't because I dropped out of high school. I can't because I didn't go to college. I can't because I screwed up when I was young. I can't because I went to juvenile detention. No, not because of what happened to you or even what happened because of you. I can't because I committed this crime. I can't because, you know, I, I, I just quit. I can't because I walked away. I can't because I was the cheater. You know, those are all reasons that the enemy is working on siloing you off and getting you alone and keeping you from the life that you were born for, purpose for, and destined for. Gracious. See, I told y'all big punch in a little frame. That is unbelievable. It's this knowing that when you're talking, you're not even in that explanation of it's my excuse or it's my fault. Either one is it does not segment anyone listening Mm -hmm. because every single person can find themselves in one Mm -hmm. or many, many, Mm -hmm. I'm raising my hand over there for those listening later of those categories. Mm -hmm. And it's so critical of why we say yes to this uncomfortable thing of sharing our story. One, because it's in the contract. (laughs) It's literally in the contract. We, we are called to share our testimony, but it's not to say, Oh, wow. Look at what Nicole has done. Look at now how she's about to celebrate 24 years. Look at now how she's redeemed and a megachurch pastor. Look at all of these things that Nicole, no, Mm -hmm. it is all by the grace and the glory of God. But it was through Mm -hmm. her obedience Mm -hmm. that the fruit bears. And through fear. Yeah, come on, speak to that for sure. You know, in the first book I ever wrote, it's called Hi God, It's Me Again. That's the one I have. God revealed to me what faith really is. I know what the Bible says. It's now faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we flip flop that, then it takes faith to please God. So, I mean, I know what the Bible said about faith, but like a personal revelation for me is when God told me your faith doesn't even begin until your ability ends. And that's when I like a Christian cussed. I said, oh, dang it. <laughs> because that's when I realized a lot of areas that I thought I'm walking by faith and not by sight. You know, I'm doing good. God was like, no, you're doing what you think you can do. So really, you haven't even stepped out by faith yet. Yeah. yeah. And that brings hope, I think, to a lot of people, because until we are at the end of our rope, until we don't know what to do, until we uh, people DM me, they they get on my website, they email me all the time. They're telling, I've tried everything and I just can't. What do I do now? I'm like, oh, that's the most blessed position to be in ever. Because now we have the opportunity to really walk by faith because faith does not begin until our ability ends. And it took me getting to the end of myself to just get to the beginning of God. So good. And the crazy thing is, is when you take that hindsight 2020 experience, right? And you, you go back and you do the healing work of the inner child and you sit with her in all of those situations that were so tumultuous and, and seemed like you were completely alone and you recognize that he never left your side. 
-hmm. it feels even then that's where like maybe that anger, that twinge can come in to say, where were you? And he was right there. But at the very same time, you get to then forgive thyself. And I think forgiveness is a huge part of the entire process. One, we forgive much because we've been forgiven for much, mm-hmm. right? And, and until we're able to receive that forgiveness, we cannot then bear it on ourselves or to others in the process. And therefore, you're then pent up in anger because of everything that's either happened to you or, like you said, you have had happen because mm-hmm. of your choice. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody that's not in one of those two, right? You know, we think people, and that's another trick of the enemy is we look at other people and we're like, but look how great their life is. And they're inside so many people. This is what I love about when I, when I share about the things that have happened to me or because of me and I go out into the lobby and I expect maybe some, some broken women to come to me. And I see these guys in suits with high powered jobs or bikers with major tats and tough clothes and they come up to me with tears in their eyes, barely able to choke up out the words. That was me. Mm. And I've never told anyone. Mm. And that's what I'm like. I know God has been chasing them for 30 or 40 years trying to get a hold of them so they could say those words because he's not obligated to heal a hurt that they don't give him. What's interesting, as you said that, I know that you're talking about it had happened to them. But when you think about that statistic, that one in four and one in three, there are probably people within that one in four, one in three, where they were the persecutor. Mm -hmm. Right. And it it then covers a multitude of people even more so. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important for us to share. And when I was two and a half, like this first memory flooded to me at 29 in a therapy session while given a book that I was like, I'm not reading this. It doesn't even apply to me. And my therapist had only been with me for about three days. And she was the multitude of therapists that I had to go to because I was really good at putting on a show. Mm-hmm. And so until I came to that place where it was the end of me and I was just willing to surrender and receive something from somebody else. I was reading this book and it was called no stones and it was for sex addicts. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, that, that doesn't even define me. And it was about chapter three where I just completely fell into the fold of the book. And the story that I was reading was no different than the author of that book. And two and a half years old, I was forcibly chosen to help a boy at the age of 10 who was the size of a man. He had a mental handicap and um, to jack off in a playground set in my backyard at a daycare. Right. Mm. And it happened over and over and over again. And he was obsessed with the three stooges. And so he would put his huge finger. I just remember feeling so tiny and he was like so masculine and huge over my lips. And so silence and being silenced was something that was literally suppressed into my very nature for so long that little white lies and happy smiling faces because everything is fine. And this little girl is just fine. And this little girl becomes a young girl and she can do all things. And the whole time being completely trapped in what was expected of me, I was to perform as a woman. I was not to be loved. I was not to be catered to. I was not to be nurtured. I was to perform. And then pornography at six during a little game of hide and seek. 
that then became a closet addiction for several years that then became AOL dial-up internet and chat rooms. And thank God Snapchat and all those other things didn't exist so that I couldn't share my address and all of those yeah. things. But yeah. it leads to shame over shame, over shame to the point where you are wearing such a mask, such an identity that's so far away from where God would have you stand that you are, you don't know how to get back there. It doesn't even feel like you can crawl because you can hardly breathe and your actions because of your coping mechanisms become what you think is the best that life has to offer. Yeah. And it's sad and sick and scary and isolating. And so it is something that we have to be willing. The End of Me is as a book also by Kyle Eidelman, hilarious and very difficult to get through, but his sense of humor, like you, keeps you laughing and entertained to, to listen more. Um, but it was, it was those two things, the recognition of what had happened, that I could finally say, this is the root, but it was still me that had to raise the hand to mm-hmm. all of the acts thereafter that I, by free will, chose. Mm-hmm. I knew it was right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was hard. It was very hard to write all of that down because I could choose when to share it. Like the first time I shared publicly, I shared it from a platform at our church. And I liked that setting because nobody could ask me a question. I can share what I want to share for as long as I want to share it. And I could even color it just a little bit, leave off some preface, leave off some where that led to, you know? And so, um, I didn't want to have a conversation and I knew putting it in print was going to put it all out there for my parents who would have to read it and feel like they failed. And this is what I want to share for a parent of anybody who has found out that something has happened to their child. And um, I wrote this in my book for my mom, who she just flew in from St. Louis. She's downstairs. I haven't seen her in a month or two. And um, I'm really excited to go see her yeah, and, she, taking the time. and talk with her. But I wrote it for her and it's available to every other parent. And that is, hey, mom, just because this happened to me, you didn't fail. There is no way that any parent can be with their child 100% of the time and see the evil that is lurking in people with smiling faces and seemingly good intentions. So if something has happened to your child, stop blaming yourself because as long as you're blaming yourself, you are frozen in that moment and you won't be able to heal. You have to just admit, I couldn't have, I couldn't have protected him for that. Or maybe you think you could have. But you can't go back and change it now. So the fact that you couldn't, can't go back and change it now, that would be a, a, not a you, it happened to you in that you were the parent and didn't stop it or couldn't stop it. And it happened because of you, maybe because you said, oh, maybe I could have stopped it, but I didn't stop it. OK, that happened because of you. So now let's take it to the throne. OK, God, um, I didn't stop this and it's going over and over in my mind. So I'm stuck there. The only way to get unstuck to repent. Say, God, maybe I could have, but I didn't. So what do I do now? God says, you're going to have to give that one to me and trust that I can heal you and I can heal them. 
But until you let go of it, like right now, a lot of people are like wrestling with it. Like, I can't give that to God. It's my fault. Well, it's going to continue to be yours until you give it to him. Like, you got to give it. You got to let it go. Let it go. (laughs) I'm holding back anymore. (gasps) Got to take the gloves off, Elsa. So good. Got to give it to him. So true. I see you, sister. The dream is spinning in your soul, calling you forward, and yet the works are taking a toll. Summoned into purpose to reap what he promised. What you desire is noble and honest. Co-laborers needed to level up your fields. Plow, plant, water, harvest to yield. Your vision and growth will manifest. Lay your spirit to rest with all you invest. A fresh season upon you, waiting to flourish, requiring your faith and works to nourish. Are you ready to reap your harvest? This is what people talk about when you hear songs about the altar, because I know a huge part of my community being in faith, right, doesn't necessarily mean that they're in church and they've never witnessed that altar moment and they've never actually read the Bible enough to understand what the throne room is Mm -hmm. or they've never understood how to pray per se. And so they feel like they don't do it, quote unquote, perfectly enough that they would be worthy to even speak to God, or they were raised in a Catholic-like environment where there had to be somebody who was holier than thou to then insert that into the throne room. How do you speak? How do you help somebody come into that understanding of, of what is the altar moment and what does that exchange look like if you were just in your home listening to this or your car driving? Mm-hmm. You know, I understand, bless me, Father Fry, and it's been way too long since my last confession, Holy Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, because I went to Catholic elementary school. Okay. It's in the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was really proud of my 17-year-old daughter, when uh, somebody asked her some questions and it was a person who was searching and looking. And actually it was a late forties, super powerful attorney who asked her a couple questions, not in a belittling way. They were actually opening up to her a little bit. Uh, and yet this 17 year old had enough wherewithal and understanding of who God was to her that she was totally comfortable answering this question. I love that. And she told this, this attorney, she said, you know, I'm really excited that you're asking some questions about God. And I want to invite you to my church, but I hope you don't come to my church looking for religion because you're not going to find it there. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you go anywhere looking for a relationship, I think you're going to be a little bit let down or religion. You're going to be let down because it's really about relationship. And if you can just get in relationship with God, And so I'm going to take that 17 year old's answer and say, and I'm going to tell you, I do believe in church. I do believe in getting in an environment where worship is happening because nobody has to be preaching or even talking for chains to break. If you get in the presence of God in his presence is fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
So if you're looking for strength in our life, if you look at the contract, strength comes from joy. Joy comes from the presence of God. So when you get in that worship in the presence of God, you get stronger. You get joy filled. You can feel things leaving you. Even uh, Saul in the Bible, King Saul had this little boy named David come and play the harps and stuff for him because he's like, when you are playing this godly music, like the demons leave me alone. What is that? It's the presence of God bringing joy and strength. So I would say get to get to a church or at least worship online. But it's not about the it's not about the religion. It's not about the form. It's not about the format. It's about relationship. That's why cuss it God if you have to. Eh, Don't don't use it as regular practice. (laughs) Don't use it as a regular practice, but don't let it get in your way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you think through something as simple and maybe as complex, depending on your experience with it as relationship, no different than us just having this conversation. It's just like turning the first page, right? You don't have to go to all the scary places immediately if that's not something that you feel led to share or or unfold or uncover Mm -hmm. at that point. There is security in knowing that he is all knowing. Mm -hmm. There is security in knowing that even still you are loved. And that it's forgiven. But I think the biggest thing as we go through that process of repentance, repentance isn't this like heavy experience. It's literally just an opportunity to change your ways. That's what repent means, to change your ways. And we can do that little by little by little. And those little tiny transitions for our life, those habit changes, those mindset tricks that we have to tap into, the health and wealth of our physical being, our mental being, our emotional being, allows us to take the split and take the why and the road that then leads us to the place where God would have us become, mm-hmm. right? Never be, because until I'm on the right hand of the father, I am not, I have not anywhere. I haven't made it. Nobody's made it, even if they're on the pedestal. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that even as pastors stand and teach and preach, they're still becoming too. Mm-hmm. Nobody is more than or less than. We are all created equal in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, so true. That's well said. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. So I want to get in because I know in your book, you're you're actually doing it in a really cool um, just opportunity, I want to say, for people because I've, I am in the entrepreneurial realm and I see funnels and books and things like that all the time. And so all of the people listening who are in the business sector, they're like, ooh, how's she doing it? I want to know. Let me learn. And I love that you're doing it in this bundle experience. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to talk people through that because there are people listening who love the heart of the father and they want to serve through this way, but they're also building a business. And we know that God is a prosperous God and an abundant God, and he believes in money and he believes in great resources and he wants that for his children. Mm -hmm. And we deserve to own it because we're going to do great things with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd love for you to talk through that way. Well, God gave me a mandate and that was to be real and to be raw. And to get people from the pain to the promise. So I'm supposed to get use my pain as my platform to get people from the pain to the promise in a real, raw, and organic manner. And so one of the things God gave me, um, I say God tricked me into being a preacher because I would have never done it. Then I married this worship leader. Then our father, his, my father-in-law passed in an early age. And we just wanted to help these people and lead the church because we didn't know what to do. And I'm like, doggone it, God, you tricked me. Um, <laughs> I and- love that. He he did. He tricked me, but he only did it because if he would ask me, I would have told him no. And I know that for a fact, because in the book I talk about where he, I got offered a television show um, on an international platform and I told them no three times until God got up in my face and asked me the question. He, 
he, he just, he guy can do the craziest things. He asked me one question and I know you just know you're in trouble. He said, Oh, are you going to waste this opportunity that I've given you? Um, no, sir. (laughs) I'm going to go right back to them and tell them, yes, it's going to be awesome. And it was my insecurity was the reason I wanted to say no, because I didn't think I was, I could do it well with all my current commitments. I thought I'm going to embarrass me. I'm going to embarrass my husband. I'm going to embarrass our church. I'm going to embarrass the network. It's going to be horrible. They're going to, no, that's, that's, that's my pride that needed to go on a platform and just be cut right off. And, um, so in order to support that financially, uh, I have worked with ClickFunnels to provide what I call a high value partnership program. Because in ministries, people partner with you. And I love that, but I wanted to partner with people in a higher value way. I, I think prayer is extremely valuable and I pray for my partners daily. And I believe that seed is valuable when people sow into, you can't expect to become what you don't sow into. And so as people sowed into, they had an expectation. They had a right to claim what I was doing because they were sowing into it and they could claim that type of harvest. If you want watermelon seed, you plant watermelon seed, right? In a watermelon field, you don't plant it in the ocean because it's not going to grow. So um, I believed in both those things, but I wanted to provide mentoring and coaching. So um, I didn't want to send out a monthly letter. So I send out emails. I just poured out my heart in an email about how to go from broken to building. And then I'm going to do two Zoom calls this this particular month. One about being broken with Sheila Walsh because she just wrote another amazing book on being broken and how to come back from it. And then I want to tell them how to build. And we're going to do not a webinar, but we're going to do a Zoom call where I can see their faces, hear their voices, hear their pain, and maybe walk a couple of people through it one-on-one. When we walk through chapter nine, which is meeting Mr. Right, and it's saying no to those God opportunities. And why are we saying no to those God opportunities? What is the root cause that I said no? And the root cause was my insecurity, my pain, and my pride. So how do we cut those things off? And when I was in Florida, I know you told me to talk about the business model. So I have a business model of partnership, but high value partnership through a click funnel so that we can send the books into prisons so that we can send the books for free to recovery Um, programs so that we can send the books for free in girls and sex trafficking. So we can give the books for free to anybody who, who wants it online because it's $23 on Amazon. If you go to me, to my website, it's free. You just pay shipping. You get a 30 day trial to the circle of friends. They get to sow seed into the partnership, which provides the television program, the free books, the the resources, the materials projects we do. We've sent over 5,000 books to Cuba Wow. In Spanish, which does not have one Christian bookstore on the entire island. And it costs a month's salary to buy a single book. Wow. So we're giving books away because they don't have resources. So that's the things that they're, they're sewing into. And yet they're getting partnership. So what I've done, and I don't know, I, I'm the only person that I know. Who's yeah, I, I don't. I have never seen it. That's why I was super curious when I saw it. I'm like, ooh, I like her brain. I always tell my babies when they do something awesome, kiss your brain. <laughs> I love you. Kiss your brain. So you kiss your brain because this is good. I really love it. And it, it is. There is such value to this. But even more so, it's that next layer of value that's happening that they don't get to see or fully understand. But you're sharing. It's going to so many more hands that would have never had it. And and that's the thing. There's a vision. So if you're working on, on building your business, know what you're called to. You know, I guess the world calls it a mission statement. 
you know, but, but know what you're called to and then do that and do it unapologetically. Do it. Nobody else is doing this. Great. That means you're probably called to it because there's a base that needs you. So just do what you're called to do, do it unapologetically and then find a way to resource it. And God will open your eyes and it will probably make you a little uncomfortable because God doesn't ask you to do things that make you comfortable. Every time. (laughs) Get ready to be uncomfortable consistently when you say yes to God. Like that literally is just what it is. Mm -hmm. When you find yourself in a comfort zone, there's likely that air of complacency and he's telling you to do something. He's knocking. And like you said, you're not answering. You're not answering. And so I would really highly want anyone, no matter what level you're in, that you would recognize that he's still knocking. He didn't stop knocking. You just might not be answering. Mm-hmm. And one network, just so people hear what God can do. Like, let me brag on God for a second. One network gives us hundreds of thousand dollars of airtime because Christian TV shows have to pay to be on. Secular TV shows get paid to be on. So we're paying to produce the show and we're paying to be on some networks. But the network that recruited us said, we'll give you the free airtime if you'll produce the show. They give us hundreds of thousands of dollars in free airtime every month. Since then, we've been picked up by eight other networks for free. Wow. Come on. I could have never done that. But if I would not have been obedient when I was uncomfortable, and I'm telling you, it's not like, well, God told me to do it, so I was obedient. No, like I got in trouble with God and got obedient. So I could have been obedient. No telling what he would have been able to open up for me if I would have said yes when he first asked me to. But do that thing you're scared to do. If God's beckoning your heart to do it, do it because you have no idea. There's eight more networks. And I'm here to tell you, I believe there's more networks coming. Yeah, come on, Jesus. So good. It's so incredible. And there's so much more I know to your story and even just experiencing being a lead pastor at a mega church. Like there's a whole conversational route that we could take in that um, because I can only imagine and got to have a little bit of a behind the scenes experience with your friend Hope Carpenter this past weekend. And I'm just I'm blown away by every little detail. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's no different than the book is that you read a chapter that's been curated, right? And you read a chapter that's been edited by other people. And you, even though the story is there and she lays her heart on the line and she says truth and it's raw and it's real, like she said, there's so many details in the midst of that. What we were wearing, what we're smelling, what our parental situation was like, what our friend groups were like, that even as I came to the close of my book, there's so much more. <laughs> Like, I'm like, God, I just hope that in this book, that enough justice has been given, that enough glory has been made come Mm -hmm. to light so that I can stand another day with Mm -hmm. another opportunity to Mm -hmm. share and serve through a different lens of my testimony, Mm -hmm. because it's always knocking, always. And there's always a way to serve from a different perspective. And so I think even just from the first book that I got from you and then this one, there's there's going to be so many more in, in the midst of it. And as we say, yes, it just continues to become. We have another lesson right after we got off the call. She's going to have a time with her mom, her mom, and <laughs> she's going to learn something. And that's what we have to do is as we learn, we serve, but making sure we're serving from the biblical foundation of what he says about those things rather than what we think about those things. If I can leave people with a parting thought, be okay, be being. What does that mean? Um, Be okay, be being healed. 
Um, I would like to tell you I'm 100% healed and I'm 100% whole, but I'm here to tell you I have seriously insecure moments and doubt and fear and anger and like, oh, did I just say yes to that? Because what I really meant was heck no. And, you know, all these things. So be okay. Be being healed. Be becoming successful. You don't you don't have to be anything. You can be being. So I'm, 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 I am being a better wife. I'm not a better wife, but I'm, I am being, I'm going to be being a better wife and be being a better mom. And you're probably going to fail every day. Here's the deal. You know, quitting is temporary. As long as you get up one more time, then you fall down. It's staying down. That makes it permanent. So quitting is temporary. Failure is permanent only when you stay down. So if you cheated on your spouse one more time, if you yelled at your kid one more time, if you were late on your report for your boss one more time, if you if you said yes, you meant no, and you actually lied because you're not going to do it one more time, just get up one more time because his mercies are new every morning and you can be being better tomorrow than you were today. So good. I was. You guys can't see this, but if I had tissues and hankies, I'd be waving them your way, Nicole. Thank you so much for this treasured time. It was incredible to share with you and just have you just pour into the community of the Fit and Faith people who have just been along the journey for so long. So thank you again. You guys, you can find her. I, I follow her on Instagram and you can obviously go to her church, which is faithchurch.com. Easy to remember. Uh, where else and how else they can get the book, obviously on Amazon, or you can go to crankresources.com. Or nicolecrank.com. Nicole Crank. There you go. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. All right, you guys, all the links are below. We love you so much and I honor you. Thank you for your time. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And hey guys, top what is it? Top two and a half percent of faith uh, yes, podcast. It is. That's, sister, that's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. <laughs> that's a big deal. So. I'm, I'm blessed. Thank you so much. It's been fun. All right, y'all. It might not be the last time. I'm going to bring some extra people back next year in a sequence uh, with a series, which has been unlike the show has ever had. And so it's going to be really fun. And maybe one day on TV. That's the that's the Oprah goal. Woohoo! <laughs> Do it. Come on. Bye, y'all. Bye. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamra.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain. 
but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.